recording straight out of Five Scotland, you're listening to the Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Sutherland and Magic Mike Christie. The fuck is this? A wee bit too quick. That could have been like that end of music bit could be maybe five seconds shorter uh-huh. and it would have ran fine what, what did you say at the end there I said, the fuck is this <laughs> that was that should hopefully be exactly what we want someone uh, more talented to do aye so that's the plan have that wee bit done read over I suppose it's, I suppose it's going to be it's going to be different mm-hmm. going from like coming to you live from a sold out Barrowlands. Yes, to uh, coming out of five. <laughs> two cunts right off the corner of Street. Aye. Yeah. I'll I'll bleep that bit again. Aye. Aye. Did you hear last week's? Nah, I didn't. Nah. Still no. I did white noise out your address. Aye, right. Like, recording Street out Street. Aye. Yeah. I didn't want any dead horses' heads in my bed. Why, why would the Mafia be angry with our podcast? Ham. <laughs> we want your cats. Mm. Or it's like, I'm fucking fed up with that cat bell. Cow bell in the theme music? Fine, but cat bell in the background throughout? Fuck that. So anyway, we are a movie podcast. Ah, if you hadn't guessed. In the first <laughs> couple of minutes going, what the fuck are these cunts on about? Uh, so yes, this is Stuart Sutherland, you here, and across the room is the dulcet tones of Magic Mike Christie. Dulcet tones? Ah, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't even know what that means, so whatever. Yeah. That's him. Probably, probably what the fucking cold, that's why. Right. Oh, ah, we're off. Off cunt. In Scotland, <clears throat> the new has the colds. It's January. It's cold season. Yeah, and most importantly, it's fucking payday. Get in. <laughs> Spend it wisely. Remember, mm. <laughs> that mm, was a sin of, well, there'd been a couple of dodgy purchases. Uh. <laughs> Some things we'll no tell the missus about, but uh. nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh. So, we are in the third instalment of our Scorsese season. We're now into the 90s and recovering good fellas in Cape Fear. Yeah, probably the two best ones for the nineties. So yes, definitely some of like the fucking heavy hitters. With us covering Casino already. Yeah. That's kinda of ten out one of the big ones. And we're left with two of the other fucking huge films they did for that yeah. decade. Uh, we have a, a cheeky wee competition for our listeners. Yeah. We have been given uh, a couple, so I'd like to assume that is three. Uh DVDs of Orlando Bloom's new movie. The Shanghai Job. I'm assuming this is a straight-to-DVD production. Yes. Sounds sexy as fuck, though, eh? What's it called again? <laughs> the Shanghai Job. Alright, okay. So, I'm assuming that it's not like the Italian job. No, no. I'm assuming he's not going around rubbing wee fucking... Like, big Sam curry. No curry. Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, Michael Christie. Um, I, I let's see. Let's get the details up on it. It was released. If you on IMDb, it is a different film. It has been retitled "The Shanghai Job" for its UK release. So, "The Shanghai Job" is listed on IMDb as "Smart Chase." All right. Yeah, mm. uh, smart is as if it is like a, an abbreviation. So it's all it's called the dots between the letters for smart, then chase. Uh, the plot reads: A washed-up private security agent uh, has to escort a valuable Chinese antique out of Shanghai, but is ambushed en route. So we've got Orlando Bloom, and then I think it's pretty much a full Chinese cast. So I think it's like like a Hong Kong movie being repackaged to try and trick uh, like unsuspecting buyers. Like, oh, Orlando Bloom. I'll buy it. It's like, what's all this fucking Chinese shit? Where's Orlando Bloom? And he shows up at the end to fucking collect the yeah. fucking parcel. But uh, the director doesn't stand it. Charles Martin. He seems to direct just a lot of TV. Like, yeah. everything from, like, Wallander to Skins. All right. 
So I reckon how he's ended up fucking directing like a Chinese heist movie with Orlando Bloom. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, Orlando Bloom, what was the last fucking film you seen him in? Probably have to be... He was in, he, he, <clears throat> he was in a Desolation of Smog, right? Aye, him and Kate for Lost. They were like elves. Aye, because I, I never got around to watching the Battle of the Five Armies. No, me So either. I think that was probably the last one I watched because I just couldn't take any more elves <laughs> and orcs. I've seen enough of that shit. Okay, so the Shanghai job is getting released in the UK by Signature Entertainment on DVD and they've sent us what they cry the, the fast sell. Uh, the best way to sell this movie. Orlando Bloom reinvents himself as a formidable action hero in this slick, high-stakes thriller set in Shanghai that mixes the heist capers of the Italian job with the impressive action pieces and with the fighting skills from Ip Man alumni throwing it in. And right enough, two or three... Ah, actually, three members of the cast also happen to have been in the film Ip Man. Uh, so, so I guess that, that's... So- as a cash grab, basically. So, uh, it's the best way to advertise it, just saying, Italian job with Chinese people. It's probably, it's probably people that, like, can't afford to buy, like, like good films. <laughs> so they walk in a shop and say, I want, like, a fiver. Aye, Orlando Bloom, you'll do. Aye. So, we're going to save all you cunts a fiver. You just need to enter our competition to win. And what does one need to do to enter this competition? You just need to send us a wee message on Twitter and or Facebook letting us know what was the last Orlando Bloom movie that Big Mike has seen. Okay, let's have a wee look at Scorsese's career in the 90s. Obviously, we could bypass Goodfellas and Cape Fear. That will be coming up soon. Um, The Age of Innocence from 1993. Never seen it. With Daniel Day-Lewis, Michelle Pfeiffer and... Winona Ryder. It is the tale of a 19th century New York high society in which a young lawyer falls in love with a woman separated from her husband whilst he is engaged to the woman's cousin. It's like, oh, well, it is, it's a period Aye, drama. I was going to say, uh, uh, in period dramas, didn't really. It's not what he's known for. Yeah. This is him also just wanting to stretch his legs a little, I guess, try something ah. fucking out there. Because uh, in, in amongst all these, he is doing like little short documentaries. He fucking seems to love doing wee documentaries. Yeah. Um, 1995 was Casino. I could refer you to Films and Swear in episode 159 if you want to find out our thoughts on that one. Yeah. Uh, then he did Cun Done in 1997. Never seen that one either. No, nah, no, nah, it's. I remember the. I can't remember what it's actually about the ones I've seen. It is uh, from childhood to adulthood, Tibet's 14th Dalai Lama deals with Chinese oppression and other problems. Alright. So, fucking, I'd imagine it's a full on foreign film with um, a foreign cast. Yeah. Just fucking the life of the 14th Dalai Lama. Yeah, I don't think that. Had any interest for me either. Aye, like, these must be like his fucking passion projects. Like, all his commercial uh, fucking gangster movies, like, it'll be the ones that make him enough dough. Yeah. So, right, now I could get to do either, like, Age of Innocence or Kandan. I could go focus on, like, like his passion projects that yeah. a lot of folks know really got to give a fuck about, but he just wants to get it made and get it out there. Mm. That's my interpretation of it. And then 1999, Bringing Out the Dead with. Nick Cage, Patricia Arquette, and John Goodman. Yeah, you seen that? No. No, good film, good film. I've recognised the poster. It's like him looking through a cross, well, it's the ambulance. Mirror. Yeah. Ah, it's him looking through the rear rear mirror. Aye. Um, It doesn't look, it looks evil as fuck, it looks like, because it's all red and black. Aye, it's quite dark. Aye, it gives that impression, definitely. And it's like, basically, like, Nick Cage plays a ambulance driver, paramedic, basically like on night shift all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I seen it. I seen it when I was studying for my exams years ago, and I thought it was really good. And it's one of the films that like didn't get a lot of like recognition for it. Mm-hmm. And it was actually one of his like, better films. 
Aye. I mean, if it if it appears online in any form, I'll fucking hunt it out and look at it. Aye. But it is a strange one of those ones that's just kind of falling off radars. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, like, like After Hours. Like After Hours isn't really like a revered yeah. Scorsese film. And yet, it's one of his like, better ones. Eh? I know. And it is, it's something you have to fucking properly hunt out. No. I guess it's about time we get on with the show. Aye. Get shit started. Yep. So, I chose to review Goodfellas because I've got it in a house so it's easy to obtain. Mm-hmm. So as we all know, it's directed by Martin Scorsese. It's kind of one of the ones that like throws the most argument. Like, like what's his best film? Mm-hmm. Like Focal Post says, between this and Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you think that's his best film? Mm-hmm. No, but that's because I feel I've watched more of his uh, filmography than that's uh, stop yeah. as fuck uh, more of his filmography than others <clears throat> but it is like it will be that is like never mind Scorsese film Goodfellas Taxi yeah. Driver like it, they are the top two answers if you're playing Family Fortunes Aye. they are the big fucking the big, big guns so yes Goodfellas is probably the top Martin Aye. Scorsese film it is the household's name all cunt and a dog kins about Goodfellas. Yeah. So. So, for the cast of Goodfellas, we've got Ray Liotta as Henry Hill, mm-hmm. Robert De Niro as Jimmy Conway, uh, film stealing Joe Pesci as Tommy DeVito, mm-hmm. and Lorraine Bracco as Karen Hill. Yeah. And the plot is, is basically just a group of people. In fact, he's the. It's the story of Henry Hill. Mm-hmm. And if you know how Henry Hill's, um, he was just a young upstart. He uh, got caught up with a mob in the 50s in New York. And then it just chronicalises like, his life from being basically a teenager mm-hmm. to turns to an FBI informant. Aye. Which is pretty much... Aye, that, in a nutshell. And it is a true story. That That is, I think... In amongst these things, I don't sure if it's maybe what fucking what Scorsese likes, but I think he does like to tell, like or depict true stories. Aye, that seems to be because there was the same with Casino, wasn't it? That was based on a book by a aye, like a about the all the the fucking crime in Vegas, yeah. and the same with Taxi Driver wasn't. Um, Cape Fear was based on a book. I mean, I'm going to say gun done, but I just got, just got the fucking Dalai Lama in it. But, yeah. like, it's based on, like, some of the, like, those big notorious true crime novels about, uh, and yeah. I think it's hand in hand. It's like, these films have made those stories famous, but those stories have been that famous, they got made into films. Yeah. So, tell, tell me, what's your opinion of the film, Mike? Um, I like it. I think I've actually... I've got it wired in. This is probably in my, at least my top 10, like, films of all time. Of all time? I, I, like, I really like it. Right. I mean, I, that is weird because like, I'll, I'll put it in, like, my top 10 films, but I don't think it's Scorsese's best film. Right, okay. But yeah, it'll still be in my top 10 just because, like, I've, like, the rewatchability on it is fucking yes. brilliant. Because that's it, he could, like, you could say something like, say, fucking Wolf of Wall Street's his best film. But fuck, it's easier to watch, uh, say, Goodfellas or something. But saying that, Wolf of Wall Street is a really easy watch as well. It's, say, in comparison to fucking Taxi Driver. Like, it is really good, but sometimes it's just easier to watch his other films. Yeah. Like, for me, I think that's where Casino probably lies. Like, if I had a choice between the two, I always really dig watching Casino. Yeah, I I, I like Casino as well. I was actually quite... Surprised when Andy picked it because I thought, because I was like, fuck, is that? I thought we were going to keep Casino for like for this season. Aye. Because I think I maybe would have chose Casino rather than Goodfellas. Aye. Just because it's, it's a film that's probably not been like, talked about as much. Aye, aye. But um, aye, I can kind of thought this for me. It's epic, isn't it? Aye. It I, is. mean, it's, like, I mean, like, every I mean, the story, the, the, the acting, like, the mm. choice, the, 
choice of like actors for each role and all that. I mean fucking like, even like the weird old Aye. like Frank Vincent's in the film for like two minutes Aye. and it has such a fucking like, good scene and what's his name the fucking uh, is it Chrissy from Sopranos Ah, he plays a uh, young lad, a uh, spider. Aye. Aye. Like, he has a fucking, like, epic, well, oh, I stop saying epic, um, a memorable scene. Yeah. Like, that, that fucking scene with him and Joe Pesci. Yeah. Like, like that's a, a fucking memorable one. Yeah. Like, all can remember is that. It's like, what was, what was the fucking speech again? It's like, am I funny to you? Am I no, a no, 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 that's a long, that's a long scene. Is it? It's basically, aye, he's giving that speech to Henry Hill. That's where they're in the, the pub or the bar or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he just basically, Spider, like, asks you, uh, like, ignores Tommy mm-hmm. like, for a drink. Ah, oh, right. And then he's, like, turn him to dance. Aye. And, uh, and then he's, like, kind of, like, shooting about him at his feet and then asks him, like, like, shoots him in the foot. Aye, aye. And then, like, the next day he's, like, got his foot all bandaged up mm-hmm. and he's taking the piss out of fucking Spider. And uh, and he's just, like, his like, eyes, like, I won't fuck yourself, Tommy. And Aye, and the boys are like, oh, Aye, they're totally he's got riling the him up, riling him up. And, and Pesci doesn't like it, does he? Aye, and then he just fucking pulls a gun out and shoots the boy dead. Eh? Yeah, aye. He's a fucking wild card in these films, eh? Aye, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure I asked the question on the casino one was... Which one is he better in? Who is, aye, who is, who is, like, mere wilder? Chris or, no Chris, eh, Tommy or Nick? Aye. I reckon, I think back now, I just remember him just getting fucking killed in Casino. Ah. And just thinking, he, he deserves it. With the amount of the shit, like, that he got away with. Ah. Eventually, but... The thing I, is, like, I, like he, he wasn't as, like, wild in Casino as what he was in this one. Like, I think he was a bit more relaxed in Casino. I mean, aye. like, hitting Don Rickles with the fucking... The phone. Aye. Mm-hmm. Well, like, you like the film. Who... We kind of touched on that Joe Pesci steals it. Is he? He is the guy that steals the film. See, for you. I don't know. I was watching it today, and I was like going through my notes and stuff, and I actually hadn't like reloaded. I think Ray makes it his film. Mm-hmm. Like, for like when he first started, when he first joined him, and up until the last like twenty minutes of the film, where he's like fucking high on drugs and that, and he's like paranoid that he's being watched. Aye. And it's just him mentally breaking down. Mm-hmm. And it's like when he's in prison and, that and you can see him, it's when he goes to when he goes to see Polly at the end and like like he looks like he's like fucking like he's a recovering heroin addict. Mm-hmm. He just looks so fucking withered eh? Aye. But it's I generally think it's fucking really what it's for me. I mean right for so it's probably his breakthrough form as well, I think. Oh, definitely. So then I think he'd done anything noteworthy before that. Mm-hmm. And not that I can think of, but Imagine after doing this, he would have been fucking red hot. Like, yeah. he fucking top of the A list. Yeah. But I, mean, I do, I remember those scenes I'm driving the car and he's looking out and you see the helicopter following him. And I mean, it's it's like other scenes where um, it's where he's just been, it's just where he just got married and he's living with his wife's parents. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like kind of. It's like quite late, and he's like her mum's like, "Oh, can like like where the fuck is he?" Mm-hmm. And that, and he, she's like, "Oh, he's out with like pals and that." And she's like, "Ah, she's like, but fucking in my day, like husbands came home with their wives and all that." Aye. And then, and like cuts to like the next scene, and they're like sitting in the room like late at night, early in the morning, and like the car pulls up, and he's he's, he's obviously steaming her from in eh? mm-hmm. and he gets to the door, and the mum goes out and starts fucking shouting a mouth at him, and he just looks. Walks away and he starts hearing this like really funny cackle mm-hmm. kind of thing. And like Tommy's in the car, like fucking taking the piss at him. And I'm not saying you've upset him, come on, let's go. Aye, aye. And, and it's like stuff like that as well. And it's like it's a sense of like dread as well when he wakes up when like Karen's on top of him with the gun like in his face. Mm. Like, really, this is where he's like having like, like having the affair, right? And she kind of like clocks on everything. Aye. And it's like he's, he's talking so like so quiet to her, mm-hmm. and then when he gets her off the ground and that, he's like fucking got hold of with the hair and that, and he's like told batter and fuck it her. Eh? Ah, so who was he having the affair with? Oh, it's fucking. Oh, or just the randoms. Ah, it was like a significant ah, woman. Ah, it was like, like two or three of them. Aye, but I think I'm sure his wife only knew about one of them. Aye, 
And I mean, one of the memorable scenes I always remember from it is when I think I'm not sure if it was, it was De Niro's character or not, and it was trying to get someone to come down an alley, and there's like a ah, woman. It's, it's trying to get his wife because that's when that's Fuck when we're getting been, killed. At that's that when point. he's been busted with the the drugs and all that, and mm-hmm. um, obviously he because because um, De Niro's character has been involved with it, he doesn't want. Paul, Polly to know about it because that mm-hmm. would get, I would get um, didn't they, Bob fucking killed as well. Aye, and he tries to get a go to an alley, answer a phone, mm-hmm. and and she can do. I reckon if I gotta I, go, I'm I, sorry. I reckon if it's her paranoia or if she kins that he is. Aye, a bit thing because I mean, like even like De Niro's role kind of is like a wee bit sinister. Aye, that like, scene definitely. There's a scene in the film as well where he's um. At the bar, and he's got like a fag, and I can't remember the name of the fucking song, but a song starts to play, and it's um, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's got like brooding, like fucking like guitar right. chords and all that. But um, it just it makes that scene look so much more fucking like like um, sinister, like, ah, like sinister. Eh? Mm-hmm. But um, I remember another one of his, which was similar to that is. After they'd obviously done like a big job and everyone starts showing up in the bar, but they're they're fucking wearing expensive gear. His wife's got a fur, fur coat, and De Niro's losing the shit. Say no, we have to keep this shit quiet. You can't go a bit with flash cars and fancy coats. Aye. Fucking everyone's gonna know it's us. You need to take this shit back. Aye. And the woman's like, no, this is new. And the husband's like, fucking shut up. Let's go. You're gonna get me in trouble. Move. Aye. Like, I just remember, they're the key scenes that fucking stand out in my mind. And Aye. I think all those cunts pay for it in the end. do Is there like a, a, like a murder montage? Aye, there's like a wee murder montage. Where like people show up in like cars dead and there's like a meat truck with like, there's like all the hanging, hanging cows isn't and there's it? like two or three bodies further in and Aye. all that. I think Scorsese likes those because I feel, I mean, I think in this, or it's bleeding through the casino bank. Casino had some sort of similar... Montage where cunts are all getting offed at once. That's like, that's like near the end with the, um, it's the, the guy, remember the guy that like relocated to like fucking like Colombia or something? And yes, like, and they're the, chasing the, him aye, through. And Hitman just shows up at his door. Aye, aye. I think he likes to do that, like, right, let's just get this, like, clip, clip, clip. Aye. This person dead, this cunt sitting in their car, fucking, the fucking piano wire, over the front, choke, shoot that glass in the back of the head. Yeah. Aye. So, um, outside those scenes, do you have a particular favourite scene in the uh, film? I'll check my notes on now, but obviously everybody talks about the fucking, like the uh, chat that Tommy has with um, really what about like, kind of like funny and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I actually quite like the, uh, the bit where, you know, the guy Mori has got like the fucking wig shop. Mm-hmm. And, and he's no, like, him and he's talking to really Otter about like trying to get money back to Bob De Niro, mm-hmm. and I, and he's like he's like no nah, no nah. he's like you want to fuck him and like like Bob De Niro like in the next room like in the in the shop watching the B video commercial, oh. and he just goes behind him and starts strangling him with a fucking phone cord and then he's strangling him with a fucking wig fuzzer, <laughs> and really Otter's like fucking passionate himself laughing there, oh. and I was like sitting watching it day and I was saying I gave me chuckle at myself and I thought that's funny as fuck oh. because. The, like, the irony in the fact that the guy is like, ad, like advertising his two pages, they didn't fall off. Aye. And it's like the advert is so fucking bad. It's like him standing like a wee pool and he's like, he's like my wife's didn't fall off. And he jumps into a pool and then it like it cuts to like a net scene, but the guy's like. Dry. No. He's like wet, but the top of his head is no wet. <laughs> so it's like obviously fucking like him trying to into his chin and stood back uh, up. It's like him trying to like fucking what's the word I'm trying to say? Like him trying to uh, like advertise that he's like can his wigs are, are actually like fucking the real aye, deal. Fucking I could withstand water and yeah. And I mean, obviously, like the Fran Vincent scene as well with mm. the shine box. Aye, the shine box. Aye, where. Because that's it, he's just fucking throwing some shade at Joe Pesci, isn't he? Aye. And I would just, I could just hear fucking Pesci going off a handle in my head the new. Aye, and like, you motherfucker! Aye, like, he leaves the bar. Away. And it cuts like a few hours later, and like fucking Frank Vincent steaming. 
and he just gets absolutely fucking shit kicked out of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when I was like, I was like watching it, and I'm like, is he stabbing me with a pen? But it's a casino. Aye. Where they stab somebody with Aye, a pen. That, in his fucking introduction scene. Uh, I'm trying to think. Does Goodfellas have like a like a no like a memorable soundtrack to it? Aye, it does. As um, like the fucking like Rome Stones. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Clapton and all that. There's like loads of good fucking good tracks in it. Because mm-hmm. I, could, I couldn't even remember it off the top of my head, but it, it sometimes rings like those classic fucking gangster movies are usually dropped to the block with fucking, like, uh, as you said, rolling stones. Because I'm pretty stones. sure the, uh, the montage, really, the murder and that, that's like a, a piano version of Eric Clapton's Layla. Right. That's playing. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when they're heavily involved in all the fucking drug bit and that there's um uh, Rolling Stones playing in the background. Aye. Yeah. But, but I mean like like what's obviously like standard way like Scorsese films is like his execution scenes mm-hmm. are pretty grim. I mean maybe no as grim as fucking casino. But I mean like obviously like, Joe Pesci gets like fucking shot in the back of the head and they show you it for like, the front so mm-hmm. him just like standing the bullet just like fucking flies. Is through like eyelid. I'm trying to remember where was the kill? Was it in a car shot no, in the back of the um, head? It was when they go to where he goes to get made. Mm-hmm. So basically it means he's gonna be like one of like, the top guys in the mafia. Aye. And because he killed Fran Vincent, who happens to be a made man at some of the day mm-hmm. and it, it has to require like a if you do if you do if you need to you need to sit down with the right people and then convince them that it's Squash right the beef. and then they need to go and sit down with higher up to convince them it's the right thing to do aye so I think he thought he was in the clear aye but it was and actually then obviously they also found out and it was just him taking him to the the meeting aye to like get made and he goes in and it's like hang on as soon as he sees that the, the room's empty he clicks eh? aye and he just you'll hear him saying like he goes oh no Aye. And then that's him. Fuck. Um, so is that how it kind of goes towards the end? Aye, well, um, obviously, they get um, they all go to jail when... What, Harry? Like, they go to jail first when they um, fucking rob somebody. Mm-hmm. And it happens to be somebody involved in like, the FBI. Oh, right. And they all get named. And then they end up going to like 10 years in jail. But it's like a weird setup because they're like the mafia. They go to like a fucking nice wee, like, they go to like a wee house almost. Aye. And like they're all like sitting cooking and like fucking, uh, like real is getting like fucking like Parma ham smuggled in bread, Parmesan, fucking mm-hmm. drugs, fags, whatever. Eh? And Aye. it's a nice wee fucking setup. Eh? So then they get out and then. He gets involved in like fucking like all the drugs and shit and like selling drugs and everything, which is what like the mafia didn't like what a day sort of thing. Right. So then obviously when Henry's fucking like paranoid towards the end, he then could have obviously got caught fucking like drugs once he'd been on parole. Yeah. Uh, he decides to go to like the witness protection agency. Right. And he kinds that obviously he's got to. Like rat on like Jimmy Conway and all that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then it just basically shows you him in the court, like naming everybody and stuff. Aye. and then it's just uh, it just shows you him like in like a fucking wee suburban neighborhood with like a different name and all that. Aye, like he's and, made it, he's got away with it. Aye, well, he's basically he's he's in the he's in the witness exactly agency, so basically aye. he's like no longer there's, there's no kind behind him with a gun pulling up in a car. Aye. Mm-hmm. And then that pretty much is when it kind of ends. Eh? Ah. And then it gives you, like, when the, when the credits are rolling, it gives you, like, the stories of, like... Oh, Harry Hill, blah, blah, blah. And Harry Hill? Harry Hill, sorry. Henry Hill. Henry Hill. Aye, Harry Hill, now, you've been framed. Aye, well, it tells you, like, when they were in jail and, like, what they were in jail for. And it tells you, like, like so-and-so's dead, so-and-so mm-hmm. and all that. Aye. Yeah, right. Because I could couldn't think of it but aye so that's it you ratted them and they got fucking put away 
Fair enough. Now, do you want to go on to your trivia or box aye, office? Aye, I've got um, stuff here. Uh, budget for the film was a, a nice wee 25 mil. That's quite respectable. Isn't it too bad in the early yeah. 90s? Yeah, De Niro, Pesci. And again, this is uh, pre-Casino, so like, it's not like they've... This is probably his biggest film. Goodfellas. Was this like the first time Pesci was in with Scorsese? No. Raging Bull. Raging Bull, of course. You're right, you're right. Aye. So, 25 million. I think it easily made that back. Yeah. Um, Uh, Do you have Worldwide? No, I've only got Domestic. Domestic. Uh, On Box Office Mojo, uh, Domestic was 46.8. Okay, that's so higher than I thought. So it made a 20 mil profit. Aye, and that's it. I mean, as long as you make your budget back. Oh, I, aye. aye. I mean, obviously, like, it got a lot of, it got a lot of, like, fucking, like, award buzz in it. It got, like, BAFTA Awards, Golden mm-hmm. Globes. Uh, Joe Pesci got Academy uh, Award for Best Supporting Actor and that. Did he? Fuck. Aye. Trivia mm-hmm. for it. In a documentary released 10 years ago or something Henry Hill claims that Bob Nero would phone him 6 to 8 times a day right to um, discuss everything about like the character that he plays mm-hmm. about like Kinley what his like mannerisms are like the way he holds a fag stuff like that mm-hmm. that's a bit excessive than all like 6 to 8 ah, times a day though that's I guess it just kind of shows you how fucking in depth he goes hmm well, really proper method, but he, I must he must put a lot of effort into like it's not just a case of showing up and say right I'm pretending to be this person. He must uh, put a lot of detail into well even fucking the way he holds a fag. Yeah, it just shows you like what goes into the craft. Yeah, um, Scorsese was quite um, like articulate with like the way he wanted like outfits and stuff, mm-hmm. and like everybody looked apart. So he. Um, Purposely used to tie real lotus tie for every take. Yeah. To like meet like his standards and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's quite uh, quite an unusual. Ah, it was almost sweet. It seems like his dad's doing his fucking time ah. for his boy to go to school. I also found I was really surprised that I found ten one star reviews on uh-huh. Amazon. That's a film this big. There's got to be some kind of disappointed by it. All ten reviews. Yep. Talking, people talking about how how great the film is, but how shit, shit. the transfer right. is on the DVD course, and Blu-ray and all that. Aye, like literally every review, every one star review on Amazon is like that same almost. Aye, and well, I guess that's it's one of these untouchable classics. Aye, like sure, some there's there's got to be somebody that's disappointed, but I guess they can never give it a one star. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay, um, my turn. Aye, let's go, aye. Okay, uh, Cape Fear from 1991. Of course, director Martin Scorsese. The film stars Robert De Niro as Max Caddy. Uh, Nick Nolte as Sam Bowden. Jessica Lang as Lee Bowden. Juliette Lewis as Danielle Bowden. Uh, John Don Baker as Claude Kersick. Robert Mitchum as Lieutenant Elgart. Uh, Gregory Peck as Lee Heller. And Elena Douglas as Laurie Davis. Right, Adam and you, Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchell were in this. Yes, very um, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Aye, I, I know. When I was doing my research for this, my fucking eyes lit. I was like, Aye. clever bastards. Um, plot to this film: a convicted rapist is released from prison after serving a fourteen-year sentence. Uh, he begins to stalk the family. Uh, of the lawyer who originally defended him. I always remembered it as uh, Nick Naughty was the lawyer that blew him away. But no, Naughty was uh, the fucking guy that was supposed to defend him and failed to. Aye. So, that's where he holds fucking responsibility. I, I, I was hoping to try and get time the last few days to watch it, but I didn't get around to do it and I really wanted to fucking watch it. Aye, well, that's maybe the time we're fucking finished talking. It'll, it'll bug you. You'll want to see it. Aye. Just... Uh, I just bought it for your now TV fucking... Aye. I did put a wee bit, a couple paragraphs in here before talking about the origins of the film. 
uh, like the story of Max Carey and the Bowden family actually originated in 1957 in the form of a novel titled The Executioners by John D. MacDonald. And it wasn't until 1962 that it got turned into a film titled Cape Fear, uh, released by director uh, J. Lee Thompson, of course, starring Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum. Ah, now was Robert Mitchum no Max Carey? Yes. Was it? Uh, Gregory Peck was the Pope, was the lawyer. Aye. Uh, it was shot in black and white. Aye. Because this was 1962, so they were, they were shooting in colour. Uh, but the director wanted to give the film a Hitchcockian feel to it. Mm. And, I mean, I feel there's total heavy shades of, like, Hitchcock in this. Like, the use of music and some of the fucking camera work. Like... I'm assuming you've seen the remake. Uh, the original. No, not, but... Um, Music Magpie have like a DVD box set of it's a double, it's the two of them for like I think one ninety nine. I'm like fuck it, it's one ninety nine. Aye, I feel after this, I'm just gonna go order it. Um, and regarding the title of the film, um, obviously the book was titled The Executioners. I know it's on Amazon today. They're now selling the book uh, titled Cape Fear. Like they've renamed the book <laughs> because the films were that fucking successful. Supposedly, you could thank Gregory Peck for the title of the film. He produced the original film, and he wasn't a fan of like the novel's uh, original title, The Executioners. Uh, he said, when thinking of a new title, he decided that movies uh, named after places tend to be very successful. So I'm trying to think, where the fuck he got that from? Like, other than like, New York, New York. Chicago. Was Chicago an old film that got remade to a new film? Don't know, but I, for some reason he he thought that films named after fucking places were popular, and he looked through the map of the United States and saw Cape Fear, North Carolina. Ah, and that was supposedly ah. how, because in the original novel, the the Cape Fear River is not in it at all. All right. So this was so just that's a, the one they're going in the end. Exactly. So. Aye, it's so fucking weird that they added upon it, made it better, and then in reverse they decided to retitle the book Cape Fear. Aye, weird. Even though it probably doesn't feature that fucking river in it at all. Mm. So, uh, my thoughts of the film, it is not a first time watch. I have seen this, again, it must be three or four times now, and... Maybe, uh, look, if you look, if you tell someone now, watch it for the first time... They're probably going to think it's a wee bit hammy, a bit over the top. So I guess now this is kind of a guilty pleasure for me. See, I don't know, like, because I, I fucking, I, I like the film, eh? mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember, like, the first, I still remember the first time I watched it, I was maybe about six, maybe seven. Right. And I remember, like, watching it with my dad, and obviously... I obviously wasn't like properly like fucking like entertained by it. I was just watching bits of it, and I still remember the bit where uh, De Niro's out of jail mm-hmm. and he rapes the oh who's the um the Alina I I uh, Alina Douglas is sort of like a woman that she's like pals with he works in the same she works in the same office as Aye. as uh, Nick Naughty's character and it kind of teases like there may be a bit of an office romance there's definitely some heavy flirting going on Aye. but and it's when um, he like handcuffs her behind the back and like fucking like bites like a bit of her face off. yes and I remember I fucking screamed the fucking house and they said my dad like thought this wasn't a scary film. You're fucking Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone with that fucking aftershave. Aye, just, honestly, ah. I, I fucking, like, Bob De Niro in that film scared the shit out of me. Aye, and they didn't, they didn't shy away from it. They show you that fucking, her che- fucking cheek Aye. with a big chunk bitten out and her fucking screaming. And in that scene, she's handcuffed and what he fucking does, he just lifts one of her arms up and just snaps one of her fucking arms. Aye. It's like, holy fuck. Fuck! Like, okay, what the fuck? I'm gonna watch it in the morning. Like, they're just they're flirting in a bar, and Aye. she's she's a stupid lassie because when he says, "Ah, I just got released from prison," and he's got that thick southern drawl accent, but she's pissed and a, a bit of a tart. That's this is the only reason why she ends up fucking back in the hotel with him. 
But fuck, he does not half set, like, lay into it. And uh, you see the silhouettes fit outside the hotel looking in. You see him fucking punching. Just, like, like, nasty as fuck. But, um, aye. It is, I, I say it's a guilty pleasure, but I think a lot of people still really fucking like this film. It is over the top. Robert De Niro does fucking layer it on th- thick, but I fucking love this film. Uh, um... I think by the end of it, we might have to say, like, our last, the fifth Scorsese episode, we might have to attempt a top five. Aye. And just, just try and put these in some fucking order, because I think every fucking week I'm saying, I fucking love this film. Aye. This is the fucking best <laughs> fucking film there is. Uh, we'll, we'll see if I change my mind next week when I do the fucking Aviator, but um, it, De Niro steals it. It's hard not to. It is his film. This film moves at some fucking pace. I mean, it goes from him being released from prison, uh, you get to see the Bowden family, and then cut to, they're in the cinema, uh, they're trying to watch fucking, it's Problem Childs. Problem Childs playing. That that film where the wee kid with the ginger hair, who's a total little prick, and it's Cry Junior, and it's just a uh, shot of the dad throwing all his, they must have either got taken off him or he ran away, and he's so fucking happy, and he's just clearing out a trash room, and De Niro just... Fucking hee hawing it, laughing with a big fucking thick cigar, and he just pisses everyone off. Uh, fucking Nick Naughty. And then he turns around and looks at Nick Naughty, does he know? Uh, Nick Naughty's nudging him on the shoulder and saying, Hey, do you mind? Come on. And fucking De Niro just doesn't give up anything. So they fuck off, go to like an ice cream parlour, have some ice cream, and they go to pay for it. And say, No, sorry, the man outside's paid for it. And there's fucking De Niro in his car. Eh? Aye. Aye. But, I mean, honestly, this is your polar opposite. Remember last week I was telling you about Rup- uh, Rupert Pupkin and he's like American Psycho without, like, Aye. without the fucking shiny axe. Like, it is. He's, he's Max Cady. Like, this is the polar opposite. Like, this is what happens if your stalker is a fucking psychopath. Aye. Like, he's not killing you with kindness. He's actually just trying to fucking kill you. And he's going to slowly work his way through his fam- yeah. your family to get you. Like, whether it's the lass in your office, your fucking pet dog, your fucking housemaids. Like, he's slowly going to turn you into a fucking madman. He's going to drive you into hysterics. And it's- I still mind that scene with the, with the maid. Aye. And it, it's weird as fuck because he's... That's when they're like properly in the thick of it, and he's pretend to have snuck out the country, and he's going downstairs. He's like, "Oh, you can't sleep either, Mrs. Fucking whatever your name is, mate." And he's asking for a coffee, and you just see her. And a pause of the shot, you see the back of is actually her, but in the next shot, it's yes. De Niro in a wig, pouring a coffee with the piano wire, and it's it's the fucking uh, the the private eye. Uh, Jordan Baker. Aye, fucking getting choked with a fucking piano wire, and. Like, as soon as he wraps the cord around his neck, the blood fucking pours out. Like, the effect they done with it. Like, whatever trick it was, fucking was effective. Uh, and I mean, the rage that comes out of that scene when... Because he's got a gun. Uh, fucking that boy Baker was trying to shoot him. But uh, more or less... I think they, they cut away from it, but it's more or less gives the impression that De Niro pushes the gun onto him, uh, Baker, and makes him shoot himself. Uh, so by the time Nick Nolte and his family get downstairs, he's just lying it in a fucking big, thick pool of blood. Aye. And Nolte's pissed. He goes for the pistol, but as he goes Aye, forward, he, he st- stands in the blood. And it's such a, like, it, it's like a cringe-worthy moment because he's slipping on his arse, covered in blood, but you're like, oh, that's disgusting. Just the thought of him, like, just fucking slipping on his arse, covered in blood, and you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is grim. Like, they're just the thought of falling in some cunt's blood. And... He's that fucking fuming. He's trying to get up. He's slipping over the shop. He runs outside just firing the gun at anything. He's that fucking, like, he's seeing red. He's enraged. Uh, and I think that's what eventually pushes him to just fucking leave, go on the fucking boat, go down fucking the river. Uh, but one you, of the characters... No, sorry, you go. Oh, no, well, you go because I'll let you talk about the characters first. Um, Juliette Lewis fucking is bizarre. I, like she's really sexualized in this. Aye. I reckon if they really milk it, like her character Danny, but she's 
I reckon I reckon if she's film come across as like a like a bit of a wee tart, but she's she's just a teenage girl. She's really, but I mean, fucking uh, Max Cady, Robert De Niro's character does seduce her, ah. uh, and she's he meets her at her school. They they find that like they're in like a small like like a theater hall ah. in the school, and he he does he just properly brainwashes this naive girl, but she. Like, fucking De Niro sticks his thumb in her mouth and uh. she's sitting sucking on his thumb. It's like, she, what the fuck? Like, you know that man killed your dog? <laughs> I wouldn't be sucking his thumb. I'd be fucking going mental. But, and he's like, and he, he just feeds her all that shit. He's like, I didn't kill your dog. No, that's a damn shame. That animal done nothing to no one. I said, like, I'm sorry to hear that. And he just fucking, and she just, Bites. She just takes it all in. She just uh, fucking believes it and just falls for his fucking his southern charm and and says, "Oh no!" And talks about his daddy. And he fucking he's feeding her like this book, sexist, and gives her all these things and wants her to memorize these verses. And she's just fucking smitten. She fancies the fuck out of him and like it's just like this dirty secret to keep for her parents. Uh, but it's I reckon if it's just this film, but I always feel. No, it is. It's uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Oh. I feel like she was sort of sexualized in that film as well, but that was really like from like Richard Gecko's sort of aye. fucking filthy deed like fantasy. Aye, really, like, really, like has like his name really like fucking. They're in the motel, and she's like, it's like someone like, do you want me to take off this towel and fuck me? Like, yeah. And they're like, what's aye. it? What are you talking to, and Richard? Then he also, that he tries to ask her that when he's in the fucking car or in the the motorhome. Aye, aye. I think and why, but it just feels like because she was relatively young in that as well. She was just like yeah. a teenage daughter to fucking Harvey Keitel. But uh, there's just something weird about her being sexualized in film. Just it's uncomfortable to watch, but it's part of the fucking story in this one. Yeah. And she just she's she fucking loves like her character loves it. She's sitting there with her fucking retainer, like, all fucking giggly. And she's sitting in her pants, and Nick Nolte comes in, and is like, put some fucking clothes on. Who are you, who are you are? And it's like, and he knew about fucking Max KD meeting, and he's like, what did I do? Did he touch you? Did he? And he's fucking grabbing her by the face, because he's that fucking angry, but she's like, maybe I let him touch me. And he's like, just want to fucking start uh, slapping <laughs> the shit out of her, which I think any fucking father would if their fucking daughter was just acting like a man. weed tar. Aye. But that seemed like. Those scenes are the fucking biggest ones. Like that and him fucking battering the fuck out of uh, uh, Laurie Davis's character. Like, they are some of the... Like, the rest of it's just Nick Nolte being driven crazy by Max Cady. But uh. those two scenes just fucking push it to the next level. A score to this film? Aye, the music. Aye, I mean... If I was... like, you always remember it because it's always on the... So in every Simpsons episode that Sideshow Bob's in. Yes, and it is, like, I've written it here, it's, it's, it is just as famous as Psycho. Uh, it is, it's iconic, like, you, whether it's iconic for this or for the fact that it is parodied in The, parodied in the Simpsons. Uh. And I mean, this fucking film is an episode of The Simpsons, becomes an episode of The Simpsons, uh. where fucking Sideshow Bob is fucking Max Cady and he chases them down the river and uh, every fucking gag like hiding underneath the car but they hit every fucking speed bump uh, so he bangs his head or he keeps walking on fucking on the uh, rakes. rakes smacking him in the pus uh, chasing them on the boat like it is it's Cape Fear uh, but it's it's amazing when like because I think nine times out of ten Auckland's probably seen the Simpsons episode before they've seen uh, Cape Fear and when you're watching it, it's just like, this, 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 this is it. They've followed it fucking f- almost shot for shot. And it's it's amazing. Uh. The fact that, obviously, in the fucking early 90s, it obviously had that fucking bigger impact to the fuck Eric and Matt Gronin. Or, uh. And they thought, this is it. We can make this a fucking episode of The Simpsons. And it is. It's just that music is played loud on every scene. And I think it just it's just to kind of... I, 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 uh, for me, I think it gives you like, like, the sense of dread. Aye, and it is. It, it just kind of shows you, like, uh, how he said about the dude from After Hours to make him look more hysterical. He wasn't allowed to sleep. He wasn't allowed to fucking shag. I feel the same happens to, like, Nick Noy here. I think he just 
as he goes, his just his patience is gone. He looks deprived of sleep. He's losing the world of life. He's going absolutely fucking mental because fucking De Niro's character becomes his shadow. He's there. One minute he's looking over his shoulder. He fucking turns around to look at him and he's gone. Uh. Like, or he's fucking trying to chase him. He's like, there's a parade shot and De Niro's just across the road wearing sunglasses watching him. And no, he just runs across, fucking pushes him down. Like, stop looking at me and my family. Leave me alone. And all the crowd shocked and fucking De Niro comes like, I was just admiring the parade. What's wrong with you? I think you broke my arm, mister. And everyone's looking at Naughty like he's a psychopath. Uh, he's like, no, this this man's stalking me and my family. And all these just didn't believe him. They're looking at him like he's fucking crazy. Uh, and he's underappreciated. Like, it is, it really is De Niro's film, but Nick Naughty does a fucking cracking job in it. Uh, like, I didn't see, I've not seen him in enough films, I think. Looking on IMDb, they've marked him as uh, Warriors being his most succe- successful film. That uh, cage fighting film with Tom Hardy and Joe Egerton, I think. Oh, and right. he's the dad to the two characters. Do you remember him in Trope of Thunder? Where he played um, the guy that wrote the book. Aye, with the hook, the hand. Aye, and what's it, the name the boy like? I know exactly who you mean, but it's like he turns out to be a total fraud. Aye, mm-hmm. uh, what's in like fucking like Tay Forleaf or something? Mm. Aye, because aye. Aye. that's like he's, he's appeared in fucking everything. Aye. Um, going through IMDb, I did I had him in several fucking films, which all of which I can't remember apart from the Ridiculous Six. But I don't think we want to mention that one. Aye. No, even he, I doubt, wants to mention that one. Uh, what other films has he been in? He's done a fucking lot, whether he's just doing bit parts, but he's he's there, he's in the background, he's like Bill Paxton, he's always in films, you uh, just fucking forget. Would you say your favourite scene was the one and the two that you were talking about? Or Aye, um, like that in the end, and like all that shit at the end. Bob talking gibberish. Exactly. In the river. But... Uh, as I said when I was researching this film the fact that they found a way to include all the original cast members from the 1962 Cape Fear was a genius little touch like for people watching the remake and that were familiar with the original to see uh, Robert Mitchum and Gregory Peck in there and they're playing reverse roles now Uh. because as we said Robert Mitchum was your Max Cady the fucking psychopath and then you had Gregory Peck as the lawyer driven crazy. Gregory Peck is now playing the fucking lawyer of Max Cady, who is fucking um, suing uh, suing Nick Naughty's character uh, because at one scene like fucking Naughty's had enough, so he just hires like three guys just to batter fuck out with pipes, uh, uh, and of course. Fucking Max Cady's smart, so he manages to fucking eventually batter the fuck out of the three guys that's beating fuck out of them. Uh. For some reason, my mind seems like I said that all wrong there. Um, so he ends up in court and he's doing like a counter sue, like like he's being harassed, and Gregory Peck's playing the lawyer that manages to get him off with it, and it's just like Gregory fucking Peck, like for thinking back to like. Um, it's not one flew over the cuckoo's nest. It is to kill a mockingbird. That's mm. it. Where he's a lawyer in that one as well. But having Robert Mitchum playing now a police officer who's trying to help uh, Nick Naughty's character because they arrest uh, De Niro at one point because like the murder of the dog, and he's like, right, we could lock him up now. Is it no? We've not actually got evidence that he killed my dog. It's like, but he came in the house and abducted him. No. You let the dog out and he took him. No. So the dog died and there's no sign of him being there. Exactly. It's like, look, son, we, like, you need to come up with better evidence than that. But it's just the fact that he's sitting getting him all these things that, right, I don't want you to take the law into your own hand and he's, he's getting all this advice and it's just fine to think he was a psychopath in the first one. And it's just brilliant to think like they found roles to bring these two men in. And supposedly they had a lot of fucking tension back in the original, like in the original movie, Gregory Peck and fucking Robert Mitchum hated each other. Aye. Like off screen, they fucking hated each other. So in this film, 
it, it remained the same. Like, they had filmed the movies, like, filmed their scenes on separate days. So one day, Gregory Peck was there, the next day, Robert Mitchum. They never shared any scenes together, and they were never on set together. It's like, that's some fucking grudge. If they fucking, it's 30 years later, mm. and they still had to be on fucking separate sides of the fucking, so, or separate sides of the studio to fucking keep the peace. Mm. But... Um, one thing I did find a little weird about the film though uh, which it does date is Scorsese's camera work is very experimental like he starts applying a lot of camera effects um, they do like a negative lens effect where like how it goes black and white but then flips it so all the black is ah, white yeah, and the white yeah. is black like there's a sex scene like a proper 90s sex scene between Nick Naughty and Jessica Lang. Where and they're just zooming in on their face and they just flip the the fucking camera lights. There's fireworks outside, so there's like red and green fireworks explosions, and then they just change the lens to like red. And then all the colors are in green, and it just it just I don't know what the fuck he's doing. Uh, he's just been dead experimental with it, and there's just also his camera work is in there. Like he does a lot of swinging round cameras, uh, like a lot of really fast. I feel you get that in a lot of his films. Uh, uh, close close cuts. Like There's one second where there's somebody talking and it just cuts and then they're all in the fucking car and the camera's right up in Nick Naughty's face and he's fucking sweating, he's panicking. But then there's shots where you've got uh, Robert De Niro's character being thrown overboard on the boat and the whole fucking camera just swings around and moves with him. It's like it's on like this rig unit where it just does a full 360 spin. Uh, and it's like, camera work's impressive. Like... I don't know what rigs or how the fuck they filmed it, but also they had to use some fucking gear to do all these fucking cracking trick shots. But just to have them do all these weird camera effects and flip it to negative and then start doing colour layers over it. Uh. He's obviously trying something, but when you watch it now, it comes across as dated. Because uh. it just looked weird as fuck when you're watching it going, okay, a negative camera effect, what are we going for here? Uh. <laughs> but, I mean... I've already really got my ending to talk about. Is there anything, any uh, burning questions? Nah, no, really, because everyone, everyone, pretty much. <laughs> I've ran through it. Uh. <laughs> uh, the ending is a love-hate thing for a lot of people. I mean, when they escape on the boat, going doing Cape Fear, they think they're safe, but Max Carey catches up with him. He's waiting. They cho- he jokes out, like, no, and just ties him, leaves him on deck. And fucking... Yes, he's best. He's and he, he more or less he's gonna rape both mother and daughter, and Jessica Lang kind of throws herself at him, saying, "No, just do me, leave my daughter alone. This is you can't." She's a fucking girl, Denny, and she's always been uh, Juliet Lewis's character, uh, Danny. You can tell like is she really seduced by him? But I think it, like her fear outweighs it more. Like uh, when he's sitting talking, he's like, oh, you've been studying that book I gave you. You've been reading all those, like all those naughty chapters, and she's giggling. But when I remember watching, I think I thought like she's a wee psychopath too. But no, she's fucking fair. She's like scared. She's just going. Uh, she's like a girl who's lied about doing her homework. Uh, she's like, I, I've done it. I, I studied uh, those bits that we talked about, and she's just playing it off. And he's like, quote me some of that scripture, and she's like. Um, um, and she's starting to greet and bubbling and is like, aye, she's fucking petrified. But I was, I was remembered how the fuck did Nick Naughty get back in? But like Mark, um, like Robert De Niro's character Max just fucking drags him in, just drops him hogtied on the floor, and he does this thing where he starts raping uh, Jessica Lang and she tries to steal the gun, but with the, the rough weather on the boat they all start getting flung about uh. and he, he beats fuck at Nick Naughty in front of them they're all screaming and he goes to handcuff him but it's like he goes to really savour the moment and it's when he pulls it with one of his big fat cigars and it's funny because he's got wrapped in a little cling film bag because he's also had to go by speedboat and then swim to kind of creep up on them but just like he thought I'm just going to wrap a cigar in a wee poly bag just so I could savour it when I fucking rape this mother and daughter in front of their fucking the husband uh. 
Uh, and as he goes to fucking light it, this is when Juliet Lewis fucking sprays him with the lighter fluid. fluid. And of course, it's the 90s, so it's a dated fire effect, but it, there is shots of some poor cunt covered in fire jumping into the water, and you think, fuck, it's over. Right. And it's till he comes back on with half his fucking hair all burnt off, and he's hysterical now, he's mental, he's got fucking Nick Naughty down on his knees, and he breaks fourth wall, he's turning around looking right into the camera, talking to it, but he's talking to it as if it's the judge. And this is where he gets the confession for Nick Naughty saying he did hide evidence that could have saved him. And he's like, are you ready to pay for, like, to pay for your sins? And he's fucking cocking the gun back, ready to fucking execute him in front of the family. But that's when they fucking hit the rocks and uh. the fucking, it all goes a ship. Like, it looked like it was made out of fucking lollipop sticks. Like, it hits one rock and it's fucked. Uh. It's all gone. And they're all flung overboard and Nick Naughty just manages to handcuff the foot. And that's kind of what, like, he goes down with the ship at that point. Uh. Like, the, the mum and daughter jump off it earlier on, and it's just them two scrapping. But when he manages to handcuff him, he's fucked. And he gets thrown out, and there's a weird camera effect that looks dead fucking strange. Uh, they, were, they were going for something. It was Nick Naughty being thrown overboard, jumps into the water. Then the next shot is the water throwing him out. So it's like he goes in and then it just, it's the shot, it just exactly looks like him just being thrown out of the water onto the land. Yeah. I'm like, that, that's, that's a little, that, like, I, I can see what you're going for there, like the momentum of the water threw him to shore, but that looks fucking strange. And you think it's over, but no, fucking Max Cady's there and they're beating lumps of each other, picking up rocks, trying to fucking cave each other's skull in. But when the fucking water pulls him back into the fucking sea and that's where you get the famous shot of him going where he starts talking in tongues and he goes underwater and it just stops and it's just his eyes just fucking staring at him with his fucking burnt scalp and Uh. then he just slowly like the rocks shift and then he's just pulled underwater and he's just gone but it's just that fucking stare like if it was like a real thing like that would be like that's your fucking PTSD, that's your, like, uh, that's burnt into your mind forever. Those I'm fucking pretty sure they, that's there. I'm pretty sure they used that in, like, that work for, like, it's, the video it's the and the cover DVD the DVD, and just fucking De Niro's fucking eyes penetrating that cover and the fucking, it's on the disc as well. And it's a brilliant uh, poster. It's fucking, it, it sells it. And it is, it's just his fucking eyes at the end just staring at him. Fuck, I could, I, I could fucking talk ages about this film. I think we have. We're on the, the one hour, 15 minute mark. So. But, um, trivia. Uh, the thick accent Robert De Niro used to play, uh, used to play Max Cady, reportedly gave Martin Scorsese the creeps. So, as a joke, De Niro would regularly call Scorsese's house and leave voicemail messages as Max Cady. <laughs> Martin Scorsese said his first choice for the fucking lawyer, um, Nick Naughty's character, he wanted Harrison Ford for it. Alright. Think of that. Like, that would have been fucking amazing if they had Harrison Ford in it. But, like, Nick Naughty done great on his own. Uh. But I just the thought of fucking having Harrison Ford in it just would be fucking next level. Like, to the point they even said they had, like, Robert De Niro phone up, like, Harrison Ford to try and convince him to take the part, but it just mm. never came, came to fruition. Uh, budget and box office. We have this film was made on a budget of thirty five million dollars. Suppose the four weeks in that fucking water tank yeah, is probably that be very expensive. Yeah. Um, how much do you think? I have domestic and foreign, so we do have a worldwide. Um, I think it maybe made its money back, but only just. Uh, you underestimated it. Uh, domestic, it got. 79 million so it it did double and then the foreign market further 103 million so 182 million dollars worldwide not bad aye so there's me saying it it's underrated but like it fucking it made some bank back in the day Ah. one star review there was uh, I think there was about let me guess people were expecting the original there, I did see I, I did watch the trailer to the original one and when reading in the comments everyone was shitting on uh, De Niro 
comparison to Robert Mitchum. Ah. <laughs> and there's some folk who just say, oh, fucking Robert Mitchum's so dreamy. Like, what is going on here? Close this window. <laughs> like, oh, this is this is just weird. Um, but the one-star review, we've got, yeah, great film, but can't watch it by, whoa, Davey. That's it. Uh, no, no, that, that was a review title, but the the reviewer, whoa, Davey. Like, W-O-A-H, Davey. <laughs> like, just the name of it, whoa, Davey. Uh, his review is, yeah, great, but can't watch it because it's a US version, sold on UK Amazon, said, like, 12 Zs. Sure. Uh, not really the seller's fault, as I was too relaxed to check, as I'm used to buying DVDs with my eyes closed. But, <sighs> anyway, shame I can't watch it, cause... The power that B make everything they can different from DVDs to phone adapters, different just to screw us over. There's no need for different DVD regions, and he spelt regions as it rejoins, as in I rejoined the library. This is how he spelt region. Uh, so there's no need for different DVD regions any more than there is the need for fluoride in tap water. Uh-huh. I think Woe Davies a bit right. The fact that you can't fucking spell region, son, really fucking uh, <laughs> pissed me off. But aye, that was his fucking one star review. Absolute fuck all to do with the film. The fact that you do? The silly bastard bought a fucking American DVD. Uh, other than that, it's time to wrap up the show. Next time on Films and Swearing Movie Podcast, we will be going into the new millennium with Martin Scorsese. Um, myself, I will be covering The Aviator, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Mike? Uh, I'll also be doing a Leo DiCaprio film. I'll be doing the Oscar winning The Parade. Mm-hmm. It's like DiCaprio becomes like the new De Niro. For him, aye, doesn't it? Because it's pretty much just been like in every Scorsese film since. That's it. Aye. Uh, so that's what you got to look forward to on our next episode. Filmsandswearing.com will give you links to our Amazon shop address, uh, links to our Patreon account, social media links for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I probably, sh- this would have been the time for me to load up the music to send off yeah. it, but I'm past it. Um, Should have just ended it on the Kate Fear music. Oh, that'd be brilliant. Let's let's do that. So yes, it is now time for us to fucking say cheerio to all you cunts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not got a wee text paragraph to say thank you, but I guess thank you to David Lopan for our opening theme music. Uh, thank you to our our listeners, to cunts on Patreon that support us, and you, Mike. For joining me tonight. Aye. Ladies and gentlemen, fuck off and tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs>